It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy and my manager, Nathan <laughs> Apart. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> I, as opposed to me, who has no manager and cannot be managed. <laughs> that is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would agree with that. An unmanageable man. Um, That's a Kanye West quote, off, by the way, Windy, in case you, you that, that flew over. Um, yeah, that okay. went totally over my head. Um <laughs> Go on, explain that one. No, it's literally just a tweet from Kanye West saying, I have no manager, I can't be managed. That's that's the right. whole reference. Brilliant. <laughs> Maybe look like a right dickhead on yeah. my own podcast. Yeah, every week, but you know, you don't normally I don't normally explain afterwards, so <laughs> Bardi, you're up. Uh you got a winner to pick. Yeah, there was um some great stories submitted on Patreon and there was a few that really resonated with me. I wanna give um a shout out to Lee Fraser, who puts down Spurs getting through. So basically for those that missed last week's um I should really explain the <laughs> purpose of this. For um for those that missed last week's podcast, we're giving away a lovely piece of artwork and we were offering it to the person who wrote the best story in um on Patreon about the 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 magical night in Amsterdam when we qualified for the Champions League final. So we had about 14, 15 um, stories submitted. And I want to give a shout out to Lee Fraser and his magical 80s mug. That's what, according to him, that got us through. Um, <laughs> another shout out to Abby, who watched the game alone in Glasgow. And to Chooks, who watched the, the game with those lovely New York City Spurs at Flannery's Bar. But they didn't make it through to the final five. The final five quickly are James Marrington, who was celebrating his brother's return to health in Vegas and watched it with Vegas Spurs. That was a lovely story. Kunal Shah, who um, spoke about making friends and allegiances in Amsterdam. He travelled out to Amsterdam without a ticket and had a great old time and said the Ajax fans were really friendly and he was swapping scarves at the end of the day. Um, Nathaniel, who works out at sea, he didn't specify whether he's a sailor or a singer on a cruise ship or he works on an oil rig, but I think it's an oil rig or something because he had to use battery packs and multiple signal boosters to watch the game. Some kind of uh, naval assassin, I think. <laughs> I think Secretive. so. Yeah. Like a Jason, it could be Jason Bourne. And, um, 
The other one is James Fordham, who who was quite clever. He took his girlfriend to Amsterdam in the days leading up to the game and then sent her home just before the match. And his mate came over and they went out together and had um, had a boys had a boys night in Amsterdam celebrating the game. And J.D. Granger, who watched the game in in Sydney, Australia at 4 a.m., and he, he hugged his dad. And that really got me in the feels because my dad's not a, a big hugger. And he's only hugged me twice in my life, in my adult life. And one of those was when we won the World Cup. And it just made me bring back all those nice memories and gave me the opportunity to shoehorn in an, Italy, an Italy reference into this. <laughs> so I've got the five names in, in a hat. And I'm going to pick one. Well, I'm, exi- I'm genuinely excited. Why am I excited? This is pathetic. <laughs> we'll pick one at random. And this person will get the artwork. And it is... J.D. Granger. Oh, that's nice. The, the, the Australian guy who, who hugged his dad. Sean's going to have to send it to Australia. I'm sorry, Sean. Oh, no. Sean signed up for this. So oh, okay. he's so got to JD fulfill the order now. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Well done, J.D. And thank you. All the entries were great to read. Mm. I, I really liked uh, James Fordham's very long, very long um, story. Um, the one, you know, the one way... As you, as you put it, Bard, he sent his girlfriend home. I enjoyed that very much. <laughs> just like, um, it's just that the, I mean, I could just try and imagine doing that to my wife. She 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 would she wouldn't take it very well. <laughs> but also, he he spent five hundred quid on a ticket as well. Yeah, so it's like double whammy for his for his partner. <laughs> I didn't want to out him on that in case his in case his girlfriend's not a patron, but she listens to the podcast. Fair enough. I've, I've dropped him right in it. Can we tweet out? Do we, should we? Do we double check and make sure we have permission to tweet out screenshots of the the final five before we before we stitch up anyone's boyfriend <laughs> or whatever? <laughs> or work, but or, JD, yeah. yeah, but JD Granger, well done. Hug, go and give your dad another hug for me. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Right, so moving on from one happy victory to another happy victory, we beat Man City two 0 and I've got to say. I didn't expect this. I really didn't expect us to win this game. I honestly thought we would lose it. I, I thought City are, you know, regardless of the start they've had to the season, they're a really good team. And whilst we're, you know, very good at setting up a defensive block, I thought there's no way we can contain this City side with, you know, Sterling and Bernardo and Mares and most importantly, Kevin De Bruyne. But we more than did that. We were fantastically solid. And I'd say in the second half, there was there was no threat, really. I wasn't scared. I was nervous in the first half, but by the second, I was so confident. Where do we start? I guess team selection is the place we usually start. The, the, the big and, I guess, only news, team selection-wise, was that Bergvine played, um, which kind of came slightly out of a left field. Was, were you surprised, Nathan, by that selection? Uh, I was initially, but then I kind of wasn't because it's like... Um... I mean, the, the problem for me is that like I would be starting Bergfine, so when he right, does yeah. start and it's a bit of a surprise, it doesn't push me to think, oh, why might that be? It makes me go, finally, justice has yeah. been served, and like I see. So like the 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 truth behind it was something much more interesting with him playing in off the left and allowing mm. Sun to play on the right and stuff like that. But at the time, I just I that glazed over and I went. Yes, that is that is the correct player to choose. But you know, also you know, he scored that goal <laughs> against them before. That was nice. I mean, you've 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 mentioned it already. The tactical switch. Bergwijn, a player who is more comfortable, I would say, on the left, came in on the left. Son, a player who is, I would say, more comfortable on the left, played on the right. Mm. Um, did you have a theory behind? Is it simply that the that Mourinho and his team thought that Cancelo was more vulnerable to Son making those runs than yeah. Kyle Walker? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, 
we all remember Carl Walker in this this fan base. I think a lot of people remember um, some of his worst sides, some of his defensive calamities. But my goodness, what you saw in this game and what is shockingly still very, very present for him at his current riper age is he 29 now his recovery pace mm-hmm. is just absurd the number of times that you would have thought Bergvine, who is not a slow player mm-hmm. should have been in behind and walker has just turned in a full circle sprinted all the way and, and still made it all the way to the ball with enough time to turn around again absolutely ridiculous and i just think that you, you that would have really nullified sons running in behind if he'd have been up against walker Whereas Cancelo, who is also incredibly fast, also is ambitious and aggressive and pushes on and also was used to push inside into midfield. So, yeah, I think it was just about getting Sun in behind and, and not really much else. And uh, I think we can say that was proven to be a good decision <laughs> after five minutes. Yes. Um, buddy, um, uh, the goal, I mean, so I was getting annoyed with Son in the first five minutes because he, he got beaten or lost his man three times in the, in the opening of the match. Uh, one of them by Torres leading to a, a shot that luckily went straight down Luis's throat. But I mean, he did, I mean, he did everything he was picked for in that, in that, in that moment where he opened the, opened the scoring. What, Barley, take us through the goal. What did you make of it? I think I think the actual camera. I think the camera cut away from it, so we didn't get a full we didn't get a full idea of what was going on. But it was it's almost classic classic Tottenham that you couldn't see who played the pass, but it could have it could have been one of a number of players to chip the ball over, and it was just quick thinking and fast movement, and that's kind of what Mourinho puts in his team, and. I wasn't too surprised by the result. I I think City have been pretty bad in the in the Premier League. They've looked okay in the Champions League, mm-hmm. but in the Premier League they've looked very slow and they don't have the insightful insightful passes anymore. And against um, Sheffield United they weren't great. Against West Ham they weren't great. Um, against Liverpool they weren't great. But we just thought that was Liverpool being good. And I thought out of our running, I th- I think this is the easiest match. I always thought this was the more straightforward game that we could play in. and I I thought we could exploit their weaknesses and I, I thought we did that beautifully we um we we do complain about Jose's inability to control games and everything else but his his ability to pick a team and set a team up to win a match is is unbelievable and and that's what we're seeing at the moment each game we're playing slightly different and each game we're picking up results and he's um he's he's doing a great job and yeah it might not be that might not be the beautiful kind of oil painting we want but I really like it and I'm I really enjoyed I really enjoyed Saturday I thought we were I thought we were very smart and very clinical and it was great I feel as though there are six matches a season where this is the perfect setup, the absolute perfect setup. And I feel that Mourinho understands and can perfect this setup better than almost any other manager, probably better than any manager in the world. Uh, and, and for those six matches, I, I feel it's it's a match made in heaven. And so I shouldn't, in hindsight, have been surprised that Mourinho got the better of Guardiola, frankly. I, mm. I should have expected more because he's he's done it before. Uh, he's he's proven that he knows how to get the better of a Guardiola side. And it was foolish of me to think that um, that City would have it easy. Um, that's not to say that you know I'm 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 fully on board the the Mourinho train because I'm I'm still not. But I'm fully on board this tactical setup for those six to eight matches a season. I think it's 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 perfect. I, I love it. I love how much we frustrated them. Um, I want to go back to the first goal, Nathan. Um, so, so the piece of play, I mean, basically what happens is we win a free kick, right? We take a quick free kick, we mm-hmm. get the ball to Ndombele and 
the piece of play from Ndombele is, for me, it encapsulates everything that's wonderful about him as a player. He has the option to make an easy pass backwards, keep the ball, retain possession. We want to take some touches. We've had a rough opening five minutes. City are threatening. Get the ball, be calm, take some touches. No, no, he's not having that. He's going to shape to pass backwards and invite two elements of backward pressure from City attackers. And then he's going to quickly change direction. And with Rodri standing off him, that means suddenly he has space and time. And when you've got a player like Harry Kane, who's as attuned to his teammates, as attuned to the rhythm of a football match, just knowing what's happening at any moment, happy happy and able to fulfil the tactical plan to perfection. What it meant was Harry Kane draws out the port. Mm-hmm. Ruben Diaz and Yao Cancelo are, I think, trying to play offside. To me, it looks... I mean, I've, I've looked at it a couple of times. You can't tell if they're just dragged out by movement, but I think they're trying to play offside because they've obviously been warned that Son is going to make these runs. But Son is running from unusually deep. So I don't know if that's just because that's our setup, because we're playing deep against City, or if there's a particular instruction that Son is to start a little bit deeper. Whatever whatever it was, it worked a treat. And Dombele plays this immaculate pass, perfectly weighted. Because Cancelo's tried to play offside, as I think, he's just delayed and waited and it's allowed Son to get the jump on him and he's through, he's in. And then, just to top it off, Edison comes absolutely flying mm. out of his goal. I mean, Edison does that. Edison does Edison things, basically. But it looks so bad when you see the replay. <laughs> and he basically means that Son can nutmeg him and score with a with a, a low poked finish. He doesn't have to sort of take a, a long-range shot, long-range curl or anything like that. He doesn't need to take it onto his left foot and try and drill it because... Edison opens it up for him and he reacts beautifully and perfectly. And it's a glorious goal. It really is. I mean, I'd say I was trying to think of how best to describe Tongi and Dombele and the, the various skills that he has, the ability he has to mix things up. And, I, and I've come to the conclusion that where we have now a really good playlist, we've got Huey Bier, who's, you know, preempting things and keeping it simple and doing it in a very mechanical, systematic way where he wins the ball, he gives it. He wins the ball, he gives it. You've got centre-backs who will constantly just cycle the ball, cycle the ball, cycle the ball until they get bored of it and launch it forward and then Kane does something special. On that playlist, Ndombele hits shuffle and his ability to hit shuffle is what elevates us, I think, to the levels that we saw at times against Man City. He's he's just something else. He's exquisite to watch. I loved I loved watching his performance. I thought um, Ndombele was really brave as well. The moment he was willing to take the ball in tight situations, facing our goal, City pressed us really well. Um, I think had Spurs been as brave as Ndombele in more occasions, I think we would have absolutely spanked Manchester City. Every time we strung four or five passes together, we opened them up. Where The Kane offside goal was a great example of that, where we, we kept the ball and we moved it and we, we, we took them apart. And I just think sometimes we did we did result to to smacking it long a bit too quick, and sometimes we did take the easy way out. But Endombele never does that. You're right. He he never done that. And each time he got the ball, he never just punted it aimlessly. We moved on from there. And I and I thought I thought he was great. And it, it's weird that we'll get into the second goal. But it's almost it's almost a shame that Lacelso came on for him and scored the hmm. scored the second goal. And it's just like I don't want I don't want that to take away from Endombele's impact. And I, I hope that doesn't happen in our manager's mind and in the fans eyes because he he did have a great hour 
you know, a really, really incredible hour. I think maybe Man of the Match. And I understand that obviously the competition for that is extremely high with Harry Kane and, and everyone else and Hoybier, <laughs> you know. Um, for me, and I, I'd be interested if, if, if Harry B is listening to this episode to get his thoughts, but I feel like, uh, and Dombele making that pass is sort of like, a sign of like the journey that he has made to elite football, which is not through an elite academy, because in turning, not playing the ball the way he's facing, going direct mm-hmm. after, you know, after taking a quick free kick and all that kind of stuff, I feel like that that breaks so many sort of rules mm-hmm. that are laid mm-hmm. down in modern elite youth coaching. Um, doesn't follow sort of guidelines and instructions, but is simply his own kind of a little bit and I'm taking it too far but yeah, a little bit sort of street football he is just turning and, and going and and that is as you say the sort of the shuffle thing uh, that sort of yeah gives us something different is is mm. outside of the box thinking because he uh, has played sort of lower level football for a lot of his life well the, the wonder of this artistry is that he sometimes does play the safe backward yes, pass yes and, and that that creates a situation where his opposition midfielders are they just don't know what he's going to do. He's always one step ahead of them. Um, he's he's so insanely good. He's so intelligent and such a clever player. I just I love watching him play, and, and I don't mm. think we I don't think we win this game without Ndombele. I think we could definitely have drawn it without him, but I don't think we'd have won it without him, to be honest. Um, this it was a perfect start from Rinho. Nathan, you've spoken about this many many times, but he's the master of being able to manipulate the score and. Having got the lead, you just sort of feel you feel like he'll know what to do. Um, having said that, I found the first half really, really tense because City were just piling on the pressure. And Interesting. honestly, I, I just thought it was a matter of time before City scored because De Bruyne was doing some De Bruyne things. He was, you know, sh- scheming away busily. But I was so lacking in the final third. Jesus is just... Such an underwhelming striker. I mean, I've always been um, a bit of an apologist for Jesus because he's he's never really had a run as such. He's always in and out of the team. It's quite difficult to judge, but he's so underwhelming as a forward. And um, that really showed for me. I, I, I thought they were building up ahead of steam and they didn't end up scoring, but... But no, no. Go on, Nathan. You were going to say something there, mate. Yeah, I I was worried too. I was really nervous. I didn't think that we could hold out. It was interesting because like in the first sort of opening, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, uh, it was much more medium block. We turned the ball over high up the pitch um, quite a few times, which is something that I've been talking about how to play against City for a long, long time. It's it's For me, it's not so much a low block encounter, but it's turning the ball over on their fullbacks and on their defensive midfielder, and that's where they're really vulnerable, especially this evening, even more vulnerable than before because they haven't got Fernandinho in that role and they've had mm. other defensive mm. injuries and things are starting to, you know, sort of crack away with Manchester City. So, um, yeah, after that sort of point... Um, we began getting pushed and it was it Harry Kane also specifically used the words it was a medium block but it became a low block in his post match interview oh, which, really? which I quite liked obviously as a nerd um <laughs> but yeah so we 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 moved deeper into this low block where where Sissoko and Hoybier moved into the channels to to yep. follow uh, Man City's sort of free eights if you want to use uh, De Bruyne's own terminology um and so we we end up having like this back six, and I thought there's no way this this lasts the match. Uh, but it did basically. It did. Uh, it was it, one thing with that is that it's like we've already talked about Ndombele, but like we keep talking at the moment about him. He's being played as a number ten. He's being played as a number ten, where really his skills would be so useful in build up. 
The mm. thing with us doing that low block thing, especially with the centre midfielders dropping in, is that he dropped from a number 10 yeah. to be a mm. midfielder. And we saw that breaking the pressure, starting attacks again and again and again from a very deep number 10 role. So you're really mm. getting mm. the best of everything out of Ndombele in there. And that was that. I think that's why he had, again, for me, a man of the match performance. Um but I, I was still very nervous with us with us being pushed that deep because I just think you can't sit that deep against Pep Guardiola's sides. Um, in terms of expected goals, we gave up 1.7-ish, roughly. Um, but a lot of that, about 0.7 of that, was blocked. Um, so, Dyer and Alderweireld both did terrific yeah, work in blocking yeah. shots. Um, and some... some uh, expected goals models would discount any shot that is blocked or any shot that is blocked from close distance. Um, so that's sort of, uh, if you want to interpret things that sort of way, is is somewhat subjective. I, uh, similarly, if we're going to go microscopic with expected goals, um, Edison's positioning for Sun's goal probably boosts that. So I think mm-hmm. if you want to do sort of like a a bit of um, personal adjustment i think you can you consider the shot the chance creation to be pretty even in that in that game they had the obviously a huge number of shots but i think on quality it's probably not that far apart i think we got a little lucky i you know i i wouldn't have been surprised for city to have got one out of the chances they created then obviously that creates a different game where it's an even game state if they do it after the first goal or whatever um so we weren't completely without luck defensively i don't think um but I think, you know, to, to hold City to, in my opinion, roughly one goal's worth of chances over 90 minutes is, is, is very impressive. Maybe City have sort of dissipated. And, and if this was, again, if, 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 if you, if you think that Jesus is not a great football, if that's Aguero, if Sterling starts, um, if they're a bit more together sort of behind those players as well, um, maybe that tactic wouldn't hold out. But we played the team we faced and we beat them. Yeah, I I want to talk a little bit about. I mean, I actually want to talk a lot about City, but this isn't a City podcast because <laughs> if it was, I'd like to go in on them. But um, give us I a little bit. Talk, yeah, well, I just think they're a team that ended up just waiting for us to make mistakes, sure. and that that was from fifty five minutes onwards. They were just waiting for a an error from us, either a penalty or um, Reguilón to try and run it out of defence. And I thought they were really reliant on set pieces. I thought that was where most of the danger came from, especially in the first half. But I think I think Serge Aurier played exceptionally well as well. I mean, well, Serge Aurier played well as a right back, but in terms of a Serge Aurier performance, I thought it was an exceptional Serge yeah. Aurier performance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where his yeah his mistakes were were very low. He was good on the ball. He um, he got he had a couple of issues, but he he was comfortable. And I don't think I didn't watch that game thinking, my God, we missed Doherty. So I, I and also I thought Sissoko had another. Very steady game, playing his role, playing it perfectly. His little bit of play acting when he when the ball hit his hand and then hit his face was was comical, even if he did play Man City on side for, for an attack. And I thought those two guys deserve deserve a, a little bit of credit because we 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 will talk a lot. We've talked a lot about Ndombele's son and Kane, but those two guys I thought really played well. And um Larice was um Larice was solid as well, exceptional as well. Yeah, Aurea is um is a really interesting one. Um a lot of the time, um, people like to talk about 
having competition for a place improving a player and i think that it's really dramatically overplayed i think the idea of like um oh god I suddenly i'm blanking on any kinds of examples but like ben davies being back up to rose helped rose i think that was a yeah. bit of a myth um, trippier walker was another trippier one. walker yeah lots of ones like that and i just think i i think there are more clear reasons why a player is improved than i don't think players need that motivation to play to their best i don't think players need to be scared i don't think that fear is a great motivator compared to like just wanting to be a good player and perform well and that's what's got them to be an elite footballer in the footplace but i wouldn't be surprised if that's the case with Serge Aurier because that's that he has that kind of thing and similarly along those lines i definitely agree with the sort of the notion that he's like a big game player he will play up to the opposition mm-hmm. that he gets excited and and is able to concentrate more easily when it's manchester city that he's playing against so i do think that those are facets at play in that game but i also wonder if tactically um because we had sizoko sort of moving into that inside channel whether a lot of Aurea's mistakes might come from being aware of what's inside of him and that he is a a good outside fullback, but maybe not such a great inside fullback. And if there might be sort of tactical tweaks further down the line that that we can use to cover that, that isn't just putting a, you know, a second fullback in there um, or just like pushing him way up the pitch and saying, well, you're a winger, so don't worry about defending much at all. I think he's just really good when he's given one task to focus on. And that sounds really patronising, but it's not meant to be because he don't give, I, I thought he had an exceptional game, like yeah. um, Bardi said, in terms of his defensive duties. Um, but I, I think when he's just told, you know, don't let this guy beat you, don't let Torres beat you, yeah. you, you, you are taking this guy and don't worry, Musa or Son will, will track Cancelo and you just focus on Torres. Sure. I think that works out really well for him. And I think it also works out well for Sissoko because he's another player who does like to have a specific duty to attend to. And to, he, he did that beautifully. He was he was really, really good at covering that right-back zone. I, I always think he's good when he covers that right-back zone. It's like last season when the uh, duty given to Aurier was you get the ball high up the pitch and you cross it. You know, he was effective in getting the ball high up the pitch and crossing it. I don't like that approach. I didn't think his crossing was that great, but you can't say he didn't carry it out effectively. Sure. He, he did that particular task. And I, I do think he's um, he's a player that needs the game broken down and simplified for him to excel. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if Mourinho can get the best out of him in doing that, then I'm all for it, to be honest. I did think he was a bit wayward with the ball. And I thought he was one... So City did this thing where they, they pressed us out to the fullback and then the fullbacks ended up having nowhere to go and quite often had to just yeah. chip a ball forward or do their best. Yeah. And I thought Regalon was really canny and used the, the ball down the line or the show for the ball down the line and then come inside or turn back and play it back. I thought he did that really well. Didn't think Aurier did it quite so well on the other side. He hasn't quite got the same... Well, it, it's clear he's just not as good a player as Regalon. Regalon's a much better footballer technically and mentally. So he's able to do that. He's able to turn out more. He's able to beat his man on the outside more. Aurier doesn't have that quite in his locker. So he was quite wayward with his passing and we ended up losing the ball quite a bit through him. But frankly, our passing was... our passing completion was down across the board you know other than Hjoibier I think who I don't remember Hjoibier losing the ball a great deal I haven't checked the stats but I don't don't remember him losing the ball a great deal and nor in Dombele to be to be fair um but most other players were a bit more erratic because City were pressing you know not always effectively but they were they were pressing and it it does have an impact plus we kind of were camped in our own half for a lot of the game so you haven't really got what you're going to do there's less space to work in so it's tough I mean, the final thing I, I want to say on our defence is um, I've been very critical of Eric Dyer, but he proved he proved on Saturday that he's a great 
um, penalty area defender. He is. He is. And I, I still, if we don't, well, we don't know how we're going to play because we change every single game. But if hmm. we're going to play a higher line, then I don't think Eric Dyer has a future of us. But if we continue to play that that low block or a defense that sits that deep, I think he's he's definitely got a career at Spurs. But I, as I was watching him, I was also thinking that he's he could have a good eight years, eight eight years at the end of his career at Burnley, just defending the box. Yeah, absolutely. He has that ability to to put to get in the way of the ball and get his head on stuff. And I, I thought he was. I thought I'm, I'm, I'm being. I, I did start this by wanting to praise him, and I didn't start <laughs> criticizing him. But uh, I thought he defended the box great. And my only concern now is Alderweireld's groin. I hope yeah. that's. I hope that's all right. That was um, the big downside for me of this game. He's been so good since he came back into the team regularly and he's really settled us down and they're forming a good partnership. And for him to pick up an injury, which didn't look great, you know, he's not a player that goes down very often. Um, doesn't like to make a fuss a lot of the time out of world. He's very low key when he gets injured. It didn't look good. Um, and I suspect we'll be without him for a, for a little while, which is which is really tough. Um, we brought on Joe Roden for Alderweireld as he, as he went off injured. Um, and he came on the right-hand side. Did you have any potential reasons for that, Nathan? Literally just that Dyer had started on the left and had played on the left for us. So it's, it's always going to be the more, more challenging role. If you have two right-footers, the left-side role is always going to be more challenging. And I think in the future, down the line, uh, Roden, because of his technical ability, because of everything that Harry pointed out in that video, will be a left-sided player most of the time. But when it comes to making his debut against Manchester City in mm-hmm. closing out a game, then you just want to keep, keep yeah, continuity. Dyer was playing on the left, he stays on the left, rather than throwing them in and, you know, see out these five minutes or whatever on the left hand side moving dire across all that kind of stuff you just want to you just want that consistency basically mm-hmm. it will be really interesting to see what happens for the next few games presuming we're without Adverald yeah. whether it'll be Roden or Sanchez I mean it seems as though Roden's jumped above mm. Sanchez in the Becky order I also think it will be Roden on the right for a few games before he moves to the left as a sort of way of selling him in that way I would agree with that. And Dyer looks perfectly comfortable on the left, so it would make sense. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I 
I did want to touch on one thing. Well, I think there's a few things we can touch on. So we've all agreed that this was the right approach to for the game. And I think Mourinho is, you know, very adept at setting up a team to defend in this way. And we all agree that we've got players who are adept at playing this formation and can can fit it and can make it work for them. Um, Nathan, what do you think the approach will be for Chelsea? I was surprised that we didn't play a sort of a lower block encounter game uh, against Chelsea the first time round in the cup. In in the cup, um, I mean, for me, that is that is their weakness. Maybe it's something they're improving on at the moment with the players that they've brought in. Uh, I haven't watched them that much this season. I've sort of kept an eye on results. Um, I don't know. I, I I think that's a question that I probably need to do a little bit of prep for. But my my instinct is that like they really struggle to open up. You know, where I was saying with City, it's got to be medium block. It's got to be turnovers high up the pitch. It's got to be countering in the first and second phase of possession because uh, because City can open up a deep block. I'm less sure that Chelsea can. And I think that they can, they are guilty of throwing players forwards and, and not having a lot of creativity in the final thirds um, when there are defenders in the way. Um, I don't know. I, I th- I, in order to be, to, in order to stick with that answer, I'd have to go and watch some of this season Chelsea. But based on last season, that's what I would be saying. I definitely think you're onto something. You know, in Timo Werner, they've got a player who loves to run in behind, and if we restrict that mm. space behind Aurier, then um, then that's one way of nullifying him. But Bardi, I know you're a huge fan of uh, Zayech, and yeah, was, he is I, someone who can unpick a, a, a packed defence. Yeah, I, I said to you that he could shave a peach of his left foot. Hmm. He's incredible. He's got he can he can do anything with it. I think Chelsea is definitely the more difficult game. I think Werner, even though he's been a bit wasteful for Chelsea so far, he's he's a completely different attacker that the the what City have. I think Ziyech is better than De Bruyne right now. I think Kante is better than Rodri. I just think um I think Chelsea is a much better team. What I'm what I have a quite a lot of hope in is that Lampard is a little bit nervous and I think Lampard rather than play his best team will try and counter Tottenham and that will mm. play into our hands. I think I think man for man they're they're better than us. But I think Jose might just edge in like there would it got to be like two dogs staring at each other across mm. the park and it's going to be which one blinks first and I I just have that feeling that Lampard will will mess his formation first. That's I I don't think that's how we'll win the match. There's a really interesting psychological battle shaping up between Lampard and Mourinho, yeah. isn't there? Um, yep. There was obviously a little bit of needle the last time out. Uh, Lampard didn't react too kindly to Mourinho, uh, even though Mourinho you know, always says that Lampard was one of the best players he ever coached in terms of his mentality and the way he was on the training ground. There's something not quite right there with their relationship. You don't feel like they're the best of friends. Um, it's it's shaping up to be a really, really interesting managerial matchup. I think, to be honest, I do think Lampard's a little bit unfairly... I, I think he's he gets a bit of criticism that's it's unfair at this point. He's, I agree with the, the idea that he's kind of walked into a job that he perhaps didn't deserve too early. I think that's undeniable. But that... that kind of happens with players who are club legends doesn't it they do naturally get attracted back to their their club and the fans are are fine with that because they, they remember the good times with them as a player and I think Lampard's actually shown that he's a pretty good manager 
I think he signed one as well. He, he, he signing wise, of course, the the players have signed have been great. I think when he comes up against a manager who's who he has a little bit of an inferiority complex with, he he can he can not bottle it because it's such a bad word, but he just overthinks it. So when he comes up against Arteta, when he comes up against Klopp, he he, he second guesses himself and he he can throw a weird selection out there. And I I, ju- I just I just think. I just think he's still not fully confident in himself, and I think I think that's I think that's what will that's, that will undermine him. I, I think at some because he's a manager who's who's landed this great team, and he hasn't you know he hasn't made his bones for for want of a better word. He needed to go out there and and learn about himself a little bit more rather than at Chelsea. And um, yeah, I think Mourinho might do his mind in with that end. Yeah, he'll, he'll crumble. For me, it's interesting that um, that Lampard has has stayed sat where he was and Gerard has pushed up and away and it's working out well for both of them. <laughs> Ish working out well for <laughs> I mean he didn't do he didn't do anything better than what Sari did. Sari was Sari had less to less to play with and he won a cup and he finished higher in the league and I think I think had Lampard Lamp, there should have been more question marks about Lampard's performance last season, but he got away with it. Um I'm not saying he's he's Windy's favourite Arteta. He's not quite as bad as Arteta, but can we not? He's, can we not? Yeah, <laughs> he's not very good. Okay, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Arteta's five minutes on Windy's favourite. Well, what I will say on Arteta, yeah, is is that when Arteta was doing well, I thought Arteta was doing well, and now Arteta's doing very badly. I think Arteta's doing very badly. Interesting. If if Arteta was bald and called Michael Arthur, he'd be gone by now. <laughs> that, that club is a mess at the moment, and I I, I love to see it. Mm-hmm. And and, 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 it, very and much it's, it. he's at the centre of it. Ganduzi, Ozil, everything else. The getting rid of place is no good. He's no good. <laughs> um, one more thing before we move on to some questions. So I just wanted to address something that I thought was interesting. I, I don't know. It might get people's backs up, but I'm going to chance my arm. So when, when we play against teams like Burnley or West Brom, who who don't have our resources, we get, as a fan base, we get annoyed with them for, for defending deep and defending narrow and making it difficult for us to score. Um, and sometimes they might nick a goal and beat us 1-0 or get a late equaliser or something like that. And we're like, well, they stunk the place out. It's not right. And I'm like, it's kind of what we did against Man City. Like, to, in, a, in a more sophisticated way, perhaps, because we've got better footballers. But there's a lot of similarity, I think. You know, Man City have the riches. They they have they've spent half half a billion pounds on their team. They have a manager who's renowned as the one of the greatest ever tacticians who can create flowing football. And so you kind of take the pragmatic approach and you you deal with that by stopping them creating stuff in the box, trying to keep them as far away from goal as possible. And to do that, you line up with basically a back eight, which we did against City at times, uh, with Huibier and Sissoko dropping in between the centre-backs and the full-backs, and then Son uh, and Bergwijn covering rounds at full-back area. Um, what do you think? Am I, am I, am I wrong in <laughs> saying that, that we shouldn't be so snobbish towards towards the uh, inverted commas lesser teams when they try and stop a bigger team playing? I don't know. I, I maybe. I, I mean, I think probably that these are just like two different opinions held by two different sets of people, and there's not much crossover. And where there is crossover, that you can't talk any sense to those people at all. So I wouldn't worry yeah. about it. Yeah. I don't know. 
I th- I think there's a, a big difference between what we did and what Burnley did. Like Burnley are they're in a, a white Ford Transit and they're on the motorway <laughs> and it's um it's clear and they're in the fast lane and they're doing fifty miles an hour and Tottenham are in a not even a not even an expensive car. Tottenham are in a, like a Volkswagen Golf and they're trying to get past and Burnley are just there, stinking up the place, exhaust fumes everywhere. Whereas Spurs are a Volkswagen Golf. If we're in the fast lane, we're doing 70 miles an hour. We've got that ability to slow, but we've also got that ability to speed up. Yes, we can get Manchester City in the mud, make them dirty, slow it down. But then we can crawl out of that mud, have a shower and play proper football. That's the difference. When we have the opportunity to counterattack, we counterattack with a purpose and some ability. Burnley get the ball and then they just smack it nowhere. So I, I think you're I think you're being a bit unfair. Tottenham, we have the ability to be dirty, but then we can also have the ability to be nice and clean and put a nice suit on and play well. So you're being really unfair in my in my opinion. Yeah, but Bardi, we've got Harry Kane. We've got one of the best strikers in the world and they've got Chris Wood. Yeah, is, I, and that's why you know, we're not playing the same. But we're defending and then we, when we get the ball, we play to our strengths. Burnley, I, I, I just think I just think you're being <laughs> a little bit funny there and you're really going to trigger some people. I'm glad you put this at the end of the episode. Yeah, trigger, trigger warning, trigger warning. Yeah. Um, let's, let's dip into the questions. I decided this week to ask for questions on, on Reddit. Um, and some of the responses that we had uh, made me very glad that, uh, that I did that. Okay, first question from Reddit is from on 2 who says, there are a lot of quotes from or about former Mourinho teams that the players would run through fire or brick walls or play out in their preferred position for him. Do you think the current players are starting to show this attitude? What do you think it is about Mourinho that does this? Nathan, any thoughts? Um, I I think that it is not unique to him. I think that is what um what players say about elite managers. Mm-hmm. Um, what players have said about Pochettino. What players say now about Guardiola. What players say about Klopp. You know. So I don't think that it is. Um, oh, maybe maybe he's sort of. Maybe he's broke some ground in that area, but he he definitely sort of creates this um, us against the world mentality at, at clubs. Um, uh, and and again, this the the negative aspect is not unique to him either. the The alternative is when you don't buy into that, you are alienated, and when you are abandoned by that, when that stops working for you, it um it becomes incredibly negative when you're on the outside. Uh, our current squad yeah yeah i think so i think we are we are approaching who's who's like who's Mourinho's boy lucas kane yeah but but kane also would run through a brick wall for mm. pochino would run through a brick wall for tim sherwood would would run through a brick wall for a picture of the tottenham crest on a cardboard yeah. stand up thing so you know <laughs> he he would but i definitely think Mourinho's tapped into okay. something with Kane. All right. I think Dyer. I think maybe Dyer is, is Sherwood's. Is, um, Sherwood is Sherwood. <laughs> I think Dyer is Mourinho's. That's a Freudian slip and half. <laughs> Dyer is one. Lucas is another one. Sissoko, yeah. maybe. I think yeah. I think we're getting. I think those players are 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 leading all, the line. All on of that. the players. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I I agree. I I think um look, I mean I've, I I've, I've not hit this. I'm no fan of Jose Mourinho, but I think the players are. I mean I really think they are. I think all or nothing on the whole showed that the players really really liked him. I I, I saw very few um 
conversations or interactions on All or Nothing where I thought that player really doesn't like him. The the Delhi one in the office was one, and Danny Rose was the other obvious one. Now Danny Rose is gone. Delhi looks like he's going, so he's he's dealt with those quickly and he's, he's moving on from them. Um, I say Danny Rose is gone. He's gone to the <laughs> reserves. He's still literally playing under twenty threes. Jesus. Um, but I, I think generally, I genuinely think that you know Daniel Levy thought when Mourinho was hired that he was the best manager in the world or one of the best managers mm-hmm. in the world with with Guardiola. And I think the players think the same. You know, whether we think it yeah. or not, I think it's irrelevant. If, if the players think it, then that's cool. You know, um, and not just players who are currently here being coached by him, but players around the world wanting to come to the club because Mourinho's here. And again, I think well, maybe that view is is slightly out of date, but they think it. And it brings a great squad here, so I, I absolutely cannot and must not deny him that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I completely agree. It's um, it's working a treat. If you know, so there are there are things that annoy me a little bit, and it's one of the things that annoys me a little bit is the revisionism on Ndombele, for example. You know, I don't think Ndombele is now a brilliant player because of Jose Mourinho. I think Ndombele was a brilliant player always. 100%. And, and last season, I didn't think he was nearly as bad as people said. I thought he was actually largely good with a few bad performances. Yeah. Um, but there's no doubt that, you know, having him, you know, really motivated again is a good thing. I don't think Mourinho is responsible for that. I think that Ndombele is more responsible for that. And I applaud him for it. However, I think with players like Kane and Son... Mourinho has done, I'm going to say it, he's done a masterclass on them. He's, he's made Kane better. He's made Son better. And for that, I'm grateful. I, I love the way you, you didn't want to say Mourinho masterclass. You, just, you save it. It's on the top shelf. You just pull it out for, for, the, for the big moments. Buddy, what do you think about running through walls? Um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of truth in what Nathan said that sometimes um, a lot of players will say that for most managers. I think Man United right, right now, you have the players saving Solskjaer's job pretty much mm-hmm. every time he comes under uh, under pressure. He, he wins a couple because the players drag him out. Then they revert to type and then they're like, oh my God, we're going to lose. His, he's going to get fired and then they pull him back out. I think Mourinho's got enough... Um, He's he's earned enough credit with some really big players over over the years. I can see why players continue to talk about him the way they do, Ibrahimovic and those kind of guys. Um, yeah, do I, do I think the current crop are starting to show this? I think the current crop are starting to at least phase out the the mistakes that we would make against under enormous pressure like we were against City in the past we would have done something to give away a goal from a bit of stupidity especially early on in games we may be still doing things late in the game when tiredness and everything else creeps in but I think I think starting games now were a lot a lot stronger than we used to be Buddy when you said mistakes then um, you mm. you triggered me I, I really I forgot to ask you as someone who I, I trust on goalkeepers what did you make of Edison's performance I I think I think when a goalkeeper gives the striker the decision so had Edison stayed uh, he could have closed the angle but had he stayed up and not committed himself all of a sudden he makes the player have to think about what he's going to do um Danny Welbeck scored a beautiful goal against Villa and Martinez who I think is a really good goalkeeper he he kind of opened he gave it to Welbeck and Welbeck finished beautifully and I think um I think Edison rushing out like that his son had only one thing he could do and it was hit through his legs as he was running and Edison wasn't able 
would save it. And I think he did the same with Lacelso. Had he held his position and not committed himself, he would have forced the striker into a decision. What should I do? Should I shoot or, or pass? So I think any any goalkeeper which kind of makes up the mind of the striker is not a very good goalkeeper. I think we Edison gets let off off the hook a lot because of his his passing and the way he speeds off his line. That works most of the time. But you can you can definitely the difference between him and his countryman Allison is is incredible. Allison is a proper goalkeeper. Yeah. Edison is you know I wouldn't swap Lloris for Edison, and I'm not even I'm not oh, the wow. biggest Lloris fan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's interesting if you if you pause the Lacelso goal on when he's about to strike the ball and just sort of in your head put Edison back on the goal line. It's a yeah. really hard chance. It's a really, yeah, yeah. really hard chance. It's, it's a really, even the Sun, yeah, I can see why XG has it so low because Sun is so far out. Yeah, yeah. That had you asked Sun to finish from there against a goalkeeper who was further on back <laughs> on, on his line, he doesn't score in a goalkeeper's position. In a goalkeeper's position, he has to hit a a worldy as the ball is running across his body and away from goal. He, it's not a goal. Edison gave us that goal, and on the other time, Lacelso's positioning would have been for a cutback, not a shot. And there you go, it's Edison. But he does this to us. He does this when he plays Spurs. Lamella's goal um, last season in the two-two was just stupid. I, I I don't understand what he was doing, and he could and he continues to do it. The the Champions League. I mean, he's he's great. I wish we could play against Edison every week. Thinking about it, the Sun's first goal at the Etihad was was a mess. So yeah, he's he gets away with a lot of things because City are a good team and he could kick a ball really well. But you know, he's he's not much better than Pickford. Uh, ben Torveney. Uh, at Torvany on Twitter, uh, he's a, he's a, an incredibly incredibly smart man. Uh, pointed out that that was a facet of David de Gea's game when he first came to the Premier League. He would often rush out when he shouldn't, uh, mm. and it's something that he corrected or he was coached to correct. And then there's obviously gone through a period of time where he's widely considered the best or second best goalkeeper in the world for several years. I think Edison's a really good keeper. I think his ability with the ball at his feet is ridiculous. Um, he obviously has this flaw um, that's undermining him, but I think it's something that it's possible to correct and, and that he will be you know, considered close to par with Alisson. Yeah, but I think his mistakes are they, they, they're they becoming more common. De Gea still occasionally does, all goalkeepers do rush sure. out a bit too early. But um, I think Edison's it's now continuing to happen quite a lot and he gets into that age where he, he needs to he needs to stop doing that and um, reinvent reinvent his game maybe Lloris is much more of a um, of a of a goal line goalkeeper now which is also the way Tottenham play but I think Edison needs to he needs to think about it before I think if City will need to make a decision in the next year or so if he continues to uh, to play like that okay okay um, question from Robert Wilson it says do you think that perhaps because of years of people sleeping on him the pendulum has gone the other way and Kane is actually being overhyped right now or do you think he's getting about the right amount of praise so we did this one uh, on on overrated and underrated the other day where it's like he's probably overrated by Spurs fans because they'll say he's the best player in the world and he's you know a couple of shades of Messi at least um whereas non-Spurs fans will consider him you know a good, a very good forwards, you know, on par with Firmino or par with Aguero a couple of years ago, and I think he's a couple of shades above that. Um, what is I don't know what is the what is the average of that, or what is the sort of like pundit commentator position? I don't know, I don't know. He's he's really really good. 
He's really good. I, I guess what's what's slightly overrated at the moment is, and and this is a pet peeve of the podcast, obviously that that Harry Kane has become a passer this season. Uh, it's gone up a level because the usage rate has gone up a level, and the focus mm-hmm. has gone up a mm-hmm. level, and the number of counter attacks that enables that approach has gone up. Um, but he's always had that element of his game. I guess it's just like that sort of hitting hard right now. And when you already take Kane as a striker as given and you're constantly being shown this other side of this game, then maybe that's why there's quite so much excitement about him right now. But I mean, I think he is pretty much deserving of constant limelight. I think he's comfortably one of the best players in the world, um, having gone through a patch of time where he wasn't. And I don't. this is another thing. And <laughs> where a lot of Spurs fans are pretending that he didn't go through a period of time where he wasn't scoring many goals or wasn't able to run very fast or wasn't creating chances for others. He was he was off. He was a second-rate Harry Kane for a couple of years. And a second-rate Harry Kane is still one of the best strikers in the league. But he was off himself. He's had time out because there was a global pandemic. And he's come back fit. And oh my goodness, what a player that is. Uh, probably Probably more underrated than overrated, I guess. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, Chuck Fuddler says, say things about Dane Scarlett's. Well, Dane Scarlett scored four goals for our under-18s at the weekend and is progressing nicely from the looks of things. Uh, I would suggest that perhaps he shouldn't be playing too much more under-18 football if it's that easy for him. Um, he scored three headers in that match. I think it was against Southampton. Uh, I've not seen him this season since the, the friendlies because... Unfortunately, Spurs don't show any of their under-18 mm. matches, which is a, a real frustration. I think it's a massive pity and they're missing out on um, publicity there. But such is life. Um, and let's let's try and end on a positive note. Publix Illuminati says, did the win over Man City bring back any optimism for you and Nathan? I think it was referring to me and uh, Nathan because I posted, the que- I posted asking for questions. Uh, he follows up. I say he, could be a she. I know you've said that you haven't really enjoyed watching Spurs for most of Mourinho's tenure. However, I found the City match to be one of our most exciting games in the last few years. Do you want to go first, Nathan? Are you optimistic? Yeah, no, I'm definitely optimistic. And I think I've been optimistic for a few weeks now. Uh, it was a few weeks ago. It was, I mean, I guess it's sort of, I got really excited about us signing Bale and that really helped improve things and then it mm. took a couple more weeks for things to sort of show on the pitch a little bit um and it, I, even though like we won like the weekend after we signed Bale but like it took a couple of weeks for those performances or at least those results to start coming in uh fairly frequently uh but for several weeks I've been saying it's possible for us to win the league title and I don't know um, how much more optimistic you can be than saying you can win. I guess there's also an element within that that's like I feel more comfortable putting that idea out there because I'm less nervous about it because I care slightly less about it than I have done over the past few years because of the indifferences towards Mourinho that I have. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the Manchester City game. I probably didn't enjoy it as much as when we beat City under Pochettino because I care slightly less about this team. Um but that's, you know, slightly less than a lot. It's a bit like when Harry Kane's done his ankles and he's slightly less good than he is brilliant. <laughs> um, I'm I'm enjoying this season. I'm not enjoying every match. I'm not enjoying every minute. I'm not enjoying every press conference. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely optimistic about what we can achieve this season for sure. Yeah, and I have to say that pretty much sums up how I feel word for word. I'm in exactly the same place as you. Just trying to trying to enjoy the ride, trying to enjoy the bits of um, supporting Spurs that I, I 
I still do and and can and will. Um, I don't watch the. I, I switch off after the match now because I, I don't enjoy watching Mourinho's post-match stuff. I just I just don't enjoy it. So there's no point. But other people do, and that's great. And I, I applaud them for going all in on him and enjoying his personality. If you like his personality, then my God, there's plenty of it to go round. So so <laughs> bloat yourself on it, gorge on his personality, <laughs> and enjoy it because you know he's not going to be here for that long. Just get it down your neck. Uh, you mentioned his post-match comments. There were a specific couple of post-match comments that he made uh, after the City game, which I think are probably going to shape my upcoming video this week. I will say no Ooh. more for now. How exciting. And Bardi, let's on- end on your uber-positive voice. Um, you're all in. I'm all in. I'm all in, fully invested. How can you not like it? You see... When Pochettino goes on the pitch and hugs all the players, everybody's like, oh, that's so nice and so sweet. But if Mourinho does it, it's like, look at this egotistical maniac that's trying correct. to get all the yep. limelight. Um, I thought his reaction with Hoiberg was brilliant. It was clear a manager was delighted with a, with a midfielder who had done exactly what he asked and the team got the result. And he's clearly delighted. What a guy. What a guy. My manager. Buddy, are we going to win the league? Um, I think it's between us and Liverpool. I don't see City coming back into this. I don't think Leicester have got the legs. Um, I think Chelsea, well, I think it's between us, Chelsea and Liverpool. It will be up there. And I, I think we might just nick it, even though Liverpool are still exceptional. No, we stay, No, we can't end like You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, E Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Selling a little? Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.